0: And, folks, welcome to episode 13 of Newsprint Commando. I'm Ed Moore, your host, Capital Comics, continuing with Whisper Volume 1, issue number 2, cover dated March 1984, thanks to Grand Comic Database and Amazing Heroes number 40. Now, this will be the last issue of Whisper from Capital Comics. Uh, After covering this, I'll let you know where to find the uh, continuation of this, the culmination of the story, if you will. It's not, unfortunately, going to come from Capital Comics. Now, our creatives for the story Under Heavy Manners script is by Stephen Grant, Pencils and Inks by Rich Larson, Colors, Les Dorscheid, and Letters, Dennis Wolf. So Alexis Devon has made it home. Uh, we find out pretty early on she has a roommate. Uh, but first uh, let's do some some cover stuff here. It's a pretty active picture of whisper coming at us wearing her now typical uniform with the cutout shoulders b- below shoulders. She's running down an alleyway at us uh, at the, Mouth of the alley leaning against a phone booth, we see an individual who I believe will turn out to be Mr. Eckhart, the mysterious Mr. Eckhart. Uh, In the background, on top of a building, we see another samurai uh, brandishing a sword. This scene is nothing uh, having to do with the story per se. Uh, I believe this ninja we see in the back is probably Yuro Hatsumi. So, editorial here. No big deal. They do mention some other books, Love and Rockets, Cerebus, and Journey. That's the journey of something, something also from uh, Aardvark Vanaheim about a frontiersman. Uh, the adventures of something, Wolverton, Wolverton, something, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, and a mention of Whispers. With an S uh, An established and respected horror and fantasy fiction magazine So that it is not confused with Whisper Apparently that has come up somewhere along the way We open with a meeting between Kimura and Jiro Uh, Kimura telling Jiro again You know, you tried to kill me I haven't forgotten I've set you a task And when you accomplish that task Our books will be evened Uh, Supposedly With a man like this I doubt that But okay Next, we go to Manhattan's, excuse me, Upper West Side at night. We have a car with a couple gentlemen in it uh, watching a taxi pull up. And one says, is that our pigeon? Let me check. And he rifles a card file and pulls out a card. says, "Devon Alexis E, 5'8", 120, green, Auburn, eleven fifteen fifty four. So in 1984. So that makes Alexis 30. Hmm, I would have put her a little younger than that, but okay. Um. Swell thought she wasn't due back yet. Ah, quit complaining. Maybe we'll get off this assignment a day early now. So somebody has staked out her apartment. And are they watching her? Are they watching for the individual that she finds out is in her apartment with her roommate? That's kind of interesting. Because as they're sitting in the car, somebody walks up and leans against the car. And they say, FBI, beat it. And this person turns and shows their ID to the two men in the car and says, you beat it. We'll call you if anything comes up, and then they indicate, uh, right? Sorry, and drive off. So whoever this person is, they have, they have a higher order ID than the FBI. So I would imagine there's some NSC or uh, Skunk Works or something. Uh, who knows? Whatever the organizations in the U.S. are. So Alexis comes in, turns the light on, and her apartment, see somebody in there, yells, throws her luggage, drops her luggage, slams the door with her on the outside. Everybody else on the floor on the apartment is looking out to see what the yell and the slamming of the door was. Alexis goes back in and we see that she interrupted uh, her roommate and Senator John Canales, uh, yeah, John Canales, uh, going at it. And it scared her and she jumped back out. So she gives him a minute, goes back in. Talks a little bit with her roommate, um, Lessa. There we go. Her name is Lessa, her roommate. So Alexis goes in, grabs her cat, and heads on to her room, leaving Senator Canalis and Lessa to discuss the interruption and what to do the rest of the night. And while they're talking, we see down on the ground, someone is looking up at their window. Um, I assume it's the person who cast off the FBI agents and who I will call the mysterious Mr. Eckhart next morning, Alexis has taken a shower. She reaches for her robe and John is there shaving and hands it to her. Uh, there's a little back and forth between Alexis and John. He hits on her and she uh, slams him to the ground, walks out. She talks to her roommate. Uh, they arrange to meet later in the evening. Right now, Alexis has to go to the first day of her new architect's job. But before she leaves, she opens a package that was left for her. It came first thing this morning, Alessa says, and Alexis opens it up, or Lessa says. Lessa, not Alexa. It's Alexis and Lessa. So let me jot Lessa down, make it easier to remember. Lessa. So Alexis opens up the package and it surprises her because it's her or a uh, example of her ninja garb. So she runs away, leaving the garb there for Alexis and Senator Canalis to see and rifle and whatever. Alexis heads to the Whitlock building, goes upstairs, and in the elevator already is the mysterious Mr. Eckhart. Tells her he knows who she is and what she's done. Tells her that Jimmy was one of theirs, whoever they are. And now that they don't have Jimmy to uh, jump and fetch it for them, Alexis will have to do that. So he tells her that they'll be in touch. She goes on up and meets uh, a junior partner, perhaps, of the architectural firm of uh, Colbert Whitlock. Whitlock Design Associates. And is introduced... To some of the people on the floor, a gentleman here who will prove uh, interesting a little later in the story, she sets up her desk, insults uh, basically Mr. Whitlock, and then we cut to the afternoon where Mr. Hatsumi arrives in town. Heads to his apartment, his floor perhaps, his whatever nature it is here in another building. And the doorman recognizes him and indicates that Mr. Hatsumi hasn't been there in 10 years. But everything has been kept exactly the way it was left, with a cleaning woman stopping by once a week just to I, go over the place, I guess, dust, basically. We see the doorman is a little bit of a scuzz. He hits on pictures of Hatsumi's wife and then Alexis as a younger child. Um, Jiro is upset and breaks a picture on the wall of he and Alexis and his wife. I would assume that is because Jiro now knows via Yakuza sources that Alexis is Whisper, and Whisper is who he has been sent to die. Whisper giving the, given the name because she whispered to Jiro Hatsumi uh, when they had their confrontation and that's, that's all he knows about her personally, although the Yakuza probably has found out who she is, uh, which the mysterious Mr. Eckhart told her would happen because his people were able to find out who she was. So he told her when they were in the elevator that if, if we can find that out, then the Yakuza can find it out as well. Apparently they have because Jiro is upset breaking the picture, he has nothing against his wife or his ex-wife or whatever their relationship is now, and he's in the picture. So really the only other person that he could be reacting to has to be Alexis, in my mind anyways. So that evening after work, Alexis has taken a bus and is meeting Lessa at a bar, and they're sitting here drinking. Uh, One of the dudes at the architectural firm... Followed Alexis and the mysterious Mr. Eckhart sees that and at the bar confronts the dude not to confront him, but to give him some advice on how to uh, Mickey Alexis's drink so that she is uh, easier to get to catch to whatever the mid 80s term was for uh, being able to make it with a female in a bar. So, roofie, I guess, is another word for it. Yeah, so uh, he says, no. Uh, the guy says, what is this, like sugar or angel dust or something like that? And dude says, no, government developed this stuff, gets rid of the inhibitions, slip this in her wine, she'll throw herself at you in an hour. So it's some kind of governmental LSD-based stuff. I don't know if it's LSD, but, you know, something like that. So Alexis and Lessa are sitting here going back and forth drinking, getting drunk. Actually, um, let's see. So there might be some confusion as to who is who. No. Okay. Okay. So Lessa goes to the restroom and Stuart Resnick is the dude's name because Alexis noticed his nameplate as she passed by and that she works or her desk is right next to his. Recognizes him. Asks if he was following. He says, no, I just happened to use this bar, too. But here's some. Wine that I got you in case you... She said, no, 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 thanks. I'm drinking with my friend. And he just leaves it. And um, looks like, after all, Alexis does drink it. Uh, the mysterious Mr. Eckhart is waiting outside. John Resnick sees that Alexis and Lessa leave. Uh, the name of the bar is The Tap. So, there we go. So, they leave The Tap And amidst their walking home, perhaps, walking to a bus stop, I don't know, they're walking, uh, a gentleman tries to grab Alexis, and Lessa runs, and then the gentlemen pull weapons. There is one gentleman and a driver pulls a weapon on Alexis, telling her to go home, and they grab Lessa, shove her in the car, and drive off with her. Stuart runs up, I'm sorry. Is that what I said his name was? Let me flip back here and see. Yes, Stuart Resnick. Stuart finds Alexis sitting there, uh, upset that her roommate got snatched, but also drunk. So she's experiencing all kinds of emotions. Emotions. He um, helps her first, carries her into her apartment, throws her in a shower and turns the water on. Alexis gets a phone call, uh, presumably by from the mysterious Mr. Eckhart, telling her that things will get nasty when the Yakuza realize that the person they snatched was Lessa and not Alexis. In the meantime, Alexis better find her. That way, she will be kept safe. Several panels here of Alexis's cat attacking Stuart. I'm not sure why that's significant, but... I guess it stalls him long enough for her to get changed and get out. And as she's running across the neighborhood to wherever Lessa is in the background, several panels, we see the mysterious Mr. Eckhart watching. And from higher up, we see Jiro watching. He grabs a shuriken and prepares to throw it at Whisper, which is who he, he sees the, the female ninja. Um, He's standing somewhere in the background and there are several panels that we don't see him, but then we see him himself. We, we, we see where he's supposed to be and there's no one there, but then the camera angle changes and we see him as he's looking at Whisper. All of the images from Whisper's point of view, you can't see him at all. So I guess he's ninja-ing. Um, we see next ricochet the conclusion. Now, the conclusion can be found in Whisper Special from First Comics. That will be available in November. Yes, November of 1985. So we have to wait from cover date March 1984 till cover date November 1985 to get the conclusion of this particular story. What is that, over a year and a half? Wow. So, uh... To finish out the book, we have a page that is an order form for Capital Comics books. We have a bio of Stephen Grant, a page advertising the three posters uh, from Capital Comics, four bucks each for an 115 by 19 poster printed on 80-pound paper, uh, full process color, one each of Whisper, Nexus, and Badger. We have a full page ad for the black and white Nexus number three, uh, including the Flexi Disc. A full page color ad for Badger number four. Inside back cover, a black and white ad for the Nexus portfolio number one. And then on the back, a full color ad for Nexus number six, which will be. The uh, next book that I talk about, only two Capital Comics issues left, Nexus 6 and Badger 4. Uh, Nexus 6 is up next. Uh, Whisper 2, though, it's been okay. Um, Rich Larson's Pencils and Inks and Les Dorshide's Art, um, not completely my bag. Not bad by any imagination, by any stretch of the imagination, but n- it it's very angular and a little more cartoony than I necessarily prefer. Prefer. So, but it's it's very doable, very passable. Uh, at times, in this ninja-y world of the dark kind of story, it works. Uh, two single women drinking in a bar. A young single woman going to a job call at an architectural firm. Uh, Those two situations, the artwork doesn't necessarily fit those settings. So it's a um, half of one, half of the other kind of situation. The story is interesting enough uh, for me, I like that her stepfather is the one that ultimately is supposed to put her down. Um, I think it would be cooler if he didn't know until much later. Uh, I, I suspect that he knows now. I wonder who this mysterious Mr. Eckhart is, what organization he's working at, that they had a plant, Jimmy, in the Yakuza in Japan. If he's an American operative uh, for an American organization, makes me wonder who he is. Uh, I certainly, I, I didn't intend to when I set out starting this program to read Whisper Special. Um, I was just going to read the Capital Issues, but uh, the story has interested me enough that I'm going to hunt down that book and I'm going to read it just to get the denouement of this story so that it's it's complete. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm kind of looking forward to that. If you want to send me any feedback, you can feedback me at Teal Productions on Facebook, Teal Productions on Twitter. Twitter's the easiest, most likely way to get in touch with me. My email address is imindyman at gmail.com, and Indie is I-N-D-I-E. Comicbooknoise.com slash TNC is the website. You can leave comments there, and it's the letters T-N-C, Tango November Charlie. So those are the contacts. This was episode 13. Two more episodes to go to finish up our coverage of the Capitol Comics era of the show. And uh, after talking about Badger number four, I'll let you know what books I'm going to be talking about next. Because I've already got it figured out. But before that, Nexus issue six, volume one is our next book. Talk to you guys then. Ciao.